Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. So I've got a couple of more uh, messages in this series called uh, Christmas Questions. We've been doing questions basically um, that we get asked around this time of the year. Let's say our declaration real quick. We've got two more weeks before we go into this. Um, So let's say our declaration. Are we ready? Can you put that up on the screen for us? All right. God designed me to be fruitful, and I choose to partner with his original plan for my life. Amen. So, John 19, that's where we're going to go in just a little bit with our text today. And again, I'm going to just kind of breeze through the message because, as I said, as, as I know what I'm saying today in the message, and I'm just amazed at how I saw a, a, a thread woven through our prayer time before service, all throughout the music. And we're not like a lot of churches uh, where we communicate Uh, behind the scenes, like the worship team typically doesn't know what I'm singing. Normally, I find out what songs we're singing on the stage uh, from the worship team the same time you find out, uh, you know, so we don't collaborate with our worship services, um, you know, and when God just continually moves a thread through everything, it's beautiful to me because it's just uh, a affirmative, a stamp of approval from me that God is in it and that as we're spending time kind of in our secret place uh, throughout the week, that God is speaking the same message to the same people or to different people. Amen? So the question that I want to share with you today is, do you still believe? Do you believe, remember, and you know, I I don't have time to survey the audience, so I don't know if there are any little ones in here, but I'll kind of be encrypted. But you know, you came to that age in your life at Christmas time where the question would come, hey, do you still believe in, and there you fill in the blank, all right? And I can remember the day where someone asked me that, and I said yes, and they proceeded to enlighten me about the fairy tale. And, uh, you know, so do you still believe? And, you know, when it comes to faith, that's a great question because, you know, it's very easy. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, from time to time, you have to stir up the gift that you received when we laid hands on you. Timothy, there are going to be times, and I'm going to, I'm going to, this is, this is a, I'm going to ask you a question, and for those of you who have been here for any length of time, you're going to be able to say this, all right? You're going to be able to give me back the answer. I have faith in you because you've been around. The tendency, here it is, the tendency towards the human condition is to drift towards complacency. Love it. See how you guys, but 
It's truly the human tendency is to drift towards complacency. In other words, it's a human tendency for the fire to die out, for the, the hot to become cold, for the passionate to become passionless. And so as we're talking about all of this, it's important for you and I to understand that even though we are, are mature Christians and that even though we come to church week to week, and we worship and we tithe and we serve and we do different things. Guys, it is very easy for us to get to a place where we sort of believe it. You know, we, we've heard all the teachings of prayer. We've all heard all the teachings of healing. We've heard all the teachings of uh, this and that and miracles and signs and wonders. And we've, you know... But what happens when, you know, we get to a place where do we really believe that? Do we come expecting? There are times where I will just send out a message to our team on Saturdays and I will say, hey guys, and y'all, I, that's, that's strategic. I, I need you to kind of understand where I come from as a leader. That's strategic. I forgot to do it yesterday, but that's a weekly reminder in my phone. It comes up about 8 o'clock on Saturday morning and it says, text the team. And so what I typically do is I will text the team. And the reason I do that is because I do not ever want us to get to the place where we're coming to church on a weekly basis and it's just another thing on our list to do. It needs to be we need to be spurred to expectation. We need to be spurred to belief that we're coming to church and we have faith, we have belief, we have an expectancy that God is going to do something. Amen? I mean, there are too many times that people come to church and there's no expectancy. And we come to church and we go through our one, two, three, four songs. We go through our giving. We go through this and we, you know, do everything and we go home. But I'm telling you, we should come to church believing that God is going to show up and do something unexpected. I don't know about you, but God is too creative. I mean, if you don't know about God's creativity, you just try to figure out how many crawfish there are. I'm not even joking. There's something like 400 different species of crawfish. Who knew? I only remember eating one or two, you know, uh, different kinds. But God has created how many stars there are, how many different kinds of fish in the sea, how many flowers there are. You know, He's so creative. So Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, if you're looking for the same old thing, God ain't into that. Come on, I'm preaching better than you guys are uh, receiving. God is not into that. He's not into mundanity. He's not into old school. He says, I'm doing a new thing. And he wants us to believe that he's going to do a new thing. And so when we come to church, we should be believing, all right, somebody today is going to get healed. Somebody today is going to get set free. Somebody today, God's going to show up in a supernatural way. What kind of supernatural gifts are going to operate today in the service? What is God going to do? God wants us to believe. I remember that time when our little girl, she asked me, she said, Daddy, is blank real? It was around Christmas time. And uh, 
I told my wife, we weren't on the same page. Now, why am I telling you that? Am I telling you that to throw my wife under the bus? No. I'm telling you that to let you know that sometimes people ain't on the same page in their marriage. Are are you following me? I'm just giving you a real-life example. Because if I talk about y'all, y'all going to get mad. But I'm just giving you a real-life example. We wasn't on the same page on that. But I, and I told her, I said, all right, this ain't a battle that I'm ready to fight, willing to fight. Uh, so, but I can guarantee you, if I get that question, if I get that question, I'm just laying it all on the line. And so one night I'm tucking her little tiny body into bed, and she says to me, she says, Daddy, and it's Christmas time, she's like, Daddy is blank real. And I'm walking out her bedroom door and I turn around and I'm standing, literally standing in the hall and Shay, she comes around and she kind of eavesdropping on us. And um, I, I said, well, what do you think? That's always, a good, uh, that's always a good counselor move, you know, like, so what do you think? Tell me what you think. And she said, I don't think so. I said, well, why do you think that? You see? Why do you think that? What evidence do you have to support that? And she starts laying a few things out. And I said, well, no. I said, that, that version is not real, but there is a real version. His name is St. Nicholas. And I begin to talk to her about all of that. And as I get out, uh, out of her room, Daddy, are leprechauns real? <laughs> and I said, well, no, baby. Leprechauns are not real. She said, what about the Easter bunny, the tooth fairy? She's, she, that night, she just entered into adulthood right there, you know. <laughs> Do you still believe? Do you still believe? Look, look at this. I want us to read John chapter 20 real quick. John chapter 20 says this. Jesus is appearing to the disciples, and Verse uh, 19, let's go there. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them his wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so now I am sending you. He breathed upon them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive them, then they're not forgiven. Verse 24 says, But one of the disciples, Thomas, who was nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. So the disciples are hiding after the, after the crucifixion of Jesus. All of them are there, but Judas, who's, you know, and Thomas, he's off doing who Lord knows what. But eight days later, verse 26 says, when they were together again, this time Thomas was with them and the doors were locked and suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. He says, peace be unto you. He said, and then Thomas, he said, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Verse 28, he says, my Lord, my God. He's like, after seeing, putting his hand in the place in his side, seeing his hands, he knew that this was the Lord. The evidence 
had presented itself and he knew that he was with his Lord again. And verse 29 says, and then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me, but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Like, it's one thing for you to believe in something because you can see it. That takes zero faith. That takes zero ability to believe something like that. But when you believe something that you can't see, that's what we call faith. And belief or faith is the key to kingdom blessing. Now, he was blessed. Thomas was blessed because of his relationship with the Lord. He was blessed because he saw and experienced it with his own eyes and his own personal relationship with the Lord in in the flesh. But he said, there's coming a time, Thomas, where I will not be here, and it's coming very soon. And the people are not going to be able to see me with their own eyes. They're not going to be able to touch my side. They're not going to be able to uh, put their hands in the piercings in my hands. They're not going to be able to do that. And there are people, Thomas, that are going to believe in me and blessed are they because they are going to believe with no proof. They're going to believe without seeing. And can I tell you that belief is the key to kingdom blessing. Mark 9.23 says it like this. Jesus, when he was being asked to heal the young man's son who was demon-possessed, he said, the, the, the man said, Lord, have mercy on us if you can. And look at Jesus' response. It's almost kind of like, I wonder, was he a little indignant? Like, what do you mean if I can? Like, Seriously? Of course I can. Are you crazy? Jesus asked, or or, uh, Jesus asked that question, and then he said, anything is possible if a person believes. Here's why belief is the key to kingdom blessing. Remember, uh, Jesus said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Belief is the key to unlocking and locking things in heaven and releasing them on earth. He says, if you ask anything and you believe it's possible, anything is a kingdom blessing. Listen, Scripture is pretty clear that it rains on the just and the unjust. People live in a certain degree of blessing who are actually sinners. The wealthiest, the the largest number of wealthy, the top level of billionaires are are not spiritual people. So these are unspiritual and some of them don't even serve the Lord, yet they're among what we would consider the most blessed people in the entire world. So there's a certain degree of blessing that comes to everyone. The scripture says even the dogs get to eat from the crumbs on the king's table. But there is a fellowship and, a, and a, uh, a feast and a blessing that is set apart for kingdom believers. And when we buy into the belief that he truly is who he says he is. Another version, uh, uh, another portion of scripture says this. He's talking to Peter and he says, Peter, who do people say I am? Well, some of them are talking about you, the latest prophet 
on the circuit. Some of them you are even saying that like you're, you're uh, the prophet Elijah or Elisha, whichever one he, he said, uh, come back. And he said, well, that's all fine. I hear what other, but you're telling me what other people are saying. Who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. That's what I wanted to hear, Peter. I don't care what, Alan, I love you, but I don't really, what you think about the Lord is not as important to me as what I think about the Lord. Stephen, I love you, but what you think about the Lord and how you operate in the Lord is great, and I'm concerned for that, but not as concerned as I am about what I believe about the Lord. Because what I believe, there are certain things that only I can unlock for me. There are certain things that only I can unlock for me. Pastor, I don't know if that's true. Well, I can tell you what. If everybody in this house, if everybody in this house, I could unlock stuff for you, everybody in this house would be a tither, first of all. Everybody in this house would be saved. Everybody in this house would be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in their prayer language, and operating in the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit. I cannot do that for you, friend. You are the only one that can do that for yourself. So there are some things I can't unlock for you. You can only unlock for you. But I can tell you what, when you buy into, when you finally accept, and that's what believe means. It means to accept something as factual as truth without the evidence of having that proof in front of you. The scripture says faith is the substance of things things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. So faith, belief, is what is going to get us to a, a level of receiving, a level of unlocking, a level of binding that the average person is not going to be able to do. Come on, man. I'm telling you, that's the truth. So how can we apply and activate this message today? I want you guys to go go ahead and come, Stephen and Shay. How can we apply this and activate it today? Number one, we can affirm our belief. And one of the ways that the ancient apostles affirmed beliefs is through creeds. And so today, I want you to recite this creed that's called the Apostles' Creed. And I want us to say it together. I've got it on the screen, and it'll be three slides And what this basically is doing is, how do you affirm your belief? You state what you believe. And so the apostles, they pretty much just put all of their theology for the church in this uh, one creed. You ready? Let's say the apostles' creed together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father. He shall come again to judge the living and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Amen. That's what we believe. That's what we hold on to. And how can we affirm our beliefs? It's very simple. You reaffirm your beliefs over and over and over again. You affirm your beliefs daily and make declarations. And when the enemy comes in and he begins to lie to you, when he begins to say things to you that are not true, what do you do? You don't align yourself with that. You reaffirm your belief. The other day I had the enemy to once again lie to me and tell me that I had a health issue. Just because there's some symptom, but he was taking it to the fatalistic degree of tumor and cancer. And I said, I do not receive this lie. I take that lie and I pull it down and subject it. I believe that there is a God, Jehovah Rapha. He is my healer. You are a liar. Not only a liar, but the father of lies. That's what I believe. And it left. It left. So you see what I'm saying? You can never stop affirming what you believe. How can we wrap our time up this morning with our belief? Well, Jesus said, there's going to be a time when you're all together. When you come together, I want you to remember the great sacrifice that I paid for you. Remember the sacrifice. Jesus emptied himself of his royal privilege, of his divine privilege when he came as a baby. He lived a life of sacrifice. He could have come as a king or the wealthiest person on the planet and never known a need. Satan, even when Satan was tempting him at the top of the temple, he quoted scripture and said, throw yourself down. Because if you want to, there's a host of angels that are standing at attention over heaven's portals. And you say the word and a legion of angels will be here to keep you. But he said, no, I sacrificed that. I stepped outside of all of that. When I came to this earth, on the cross, again, sacrificed.